Okay, got it. Ready? <clears throat> You're listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore. <laughs> Shh. Let's see. I need a volunteer. Someone. Someone. Thank you. Very nice. You sh- should have told you what you're volunteering for first. I know. This is my shoe. Okay. You might want to stand back while you do this exercise, okay? If you wouldn't mind, would you please tie the shoe for all to see? How'd she do? Did she do it right? Yeah. I don't know. It'll work. It'll work? Do you have a different way? Yes. All right. Let's see your way. Thank you very much. That was a tricky vol- I know. Thank you. This will teach you to speak up in this class, won't it? <laughs> Hi, Sherry. Ah. And you're Cindy? Okay, so is Cindy doing it right? Oh, she did the double knot. That's better. Sorry, Sherry. Right? <laughs> Until what? And then, yeah, it'll, you can't get the double knot undone. Okay. Um, if I were to ask, maybe I shouldn't ask that. Yeah, I'll ask it. Um, I'm assuming that most of you could come up here and tie the shoe one way or another. There's actually a whole TED Talk on the correct way to tie a shoe. Has anyone seen that? Seriously, look it up. TED Talk, TED.com, tie your shoes or something like that. There's apparently, if you do it one way or another, the, the loop hangs and it does something right. Some guy got invited to TED because he can tie his shoes. I, I wish I was that lucky. If I were to ask you to tie a shoe, everyone could do that, right? How, how old are you when you learn how to tie your shoes? Five, six, four, sometimes three for the gifted people. Yeah. Um, I have Cindy time. <laughs> see? You're wearing flip-flops, so that's the answer right there. Um, <laughs> if I were to ask anyone here to try to forget how to tie their shoes, how successful do you think that request would be? There might be extenuating circumstances, okay? Massive car crash, right? Okay. Barring, barring massive head trauma, okay? Um, is there, the chances of, of unlearning something are what? Little to none. Yet I think a lot of us, when it comes to our self-image, our self-perception, the way we think about ourselves, we are trying to convince ourselves, I have to forget or no longer do what I've done my whole life, okay? Think about myself in this way. And I'm going to suggest that you actually are never going to be successful at that. You've had how many years of practice? Okay, for me, 43 years of practice kind of cementing in this is how you view yourself. So instead of trying to unlearn something, how many of you think you could be open to learning a different way to tie your shoes today? Yes, excellent. My son, I don't know where he got this weird gene, but he ties his shoe, okay, does the, you know, the ha- normal half, 
half square knot there. And then he does one loop here, and he does another goofy loop. Does anyone tie the shoe this way? Does another goofy loop over here, and then ties them in another square knot like this. Like something like that. I would use the word weird, but <laughs> it's my son. So, you guys open to learning how to tie your shoes differently tonight? Excellent. Oh, then here's what we need to do as I tie my shoe the right way. Um... Would everyone stand up, please? Feel free to take your chairs and turn them completely around. I'm gonna come in behind you here and coming through, coming around this way, coming around like this. Very nice. Yeah, I'm going to say this is for us to learn something, but the reality is the ACs are back here, so oh, that's why I'm doing that. Not, not 360. Okay, see, that's, you're right, I should clarify that. 180. Face that way. Can I get a couple guys to take the whiteboard and wheelie it up to the, this end of the room for me, please? Yes. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to step past you here. Perfect, thank you very much. Watch out for these guys, they're bringing a wide load through. My goal for tonight is to see if I can help you each become a little bit more creative and innovative. Again, by the way, okay, because now we're sitting this way and the group's kind of shooting off that way and you're facing into the no man. You can turn your chairs a little towards me because I'm awesome, right? <laughs> no, just turn your chairs so you, you know this is, yes, please. Put your feet up, enjoy. See, there you go. Making it a little bit more comfortable for you. I wanna see if we can become a little bit more creative, innovative, and um, a little careful there that might you got some bling going on on your phone there, don't you? Awesome. And a little bit more out-of-the-box thinking because if we cannot break our neural pathways and even be open to or try different things, then the way we view ourselves will always, always, always just go back to the default. So here's the question. Some of you have been coming here for just five weeks. Okay, this is week number five. Some of you have been coming here for years. When the room is this way, does anyone notice anything different about the room? Does anything just stand out that's like, huh, I never noticed that before? The lights are pointed toward the stage, and now that they're not there, it's... It's daytime outside. You can see the light coming through. Yes. It is daytime and windows and... So now you can watch, and everyone can be going, when is this guy going to be done? Uh -huh. Right? Yep. They actually say that when you speak, you never put a timepiece behind you because it distracts people. They're always, you know, watching the clock. What else? Just, just anything you notice. Look around the room. You guys have been in this room for a lot. What do you notice differently? 
And how's that feel? Why? And I just threw you under the bus. Oh, sorry. I just threw you under the bus. Sorry. There are lovely seats up here. You are welcome to move if you wish. How about those who chose to sit in the back? How'd that work out for you? Still enjoying the AC, so that's, that's all there is. All right, so it's about the air conditioning. Anyone else kind of feeling a little discombobulated because you're now not in the forward, backward proximity where you thought you would be? Have to be more involved. Don't make eye contact. That's the rule. Okay, just don't look. Yep. Yeah. Get your liquid refreshments right now and your cookies. There's six left. Five. Okay. Yeah. To get out, to get in. By the way, if anyone comes in late, this is gonna be fun. Okay. Yeah, we can absolutely. I was actually going to talk about that on week one because we can perceive kind of, um, we gain some of our sense of self uh, by what the crowd is feeling. It's kind of the mob mentality. It's when people get kind of whipped up into a frenzy. And so we can actually make someone walk in here feel a certain way just by our own attitude as a group. Wouldn't that be fun to mess with them? The next person comes in, let's all go. Yeah, yeah. And see how they feel. That could be, that could be just, no. Who said psychology is boring, huh? It's just a good way to mess with people. Um, tonight, we're going to be doing a lot of vignettes. Uh, I've got about nine different things, and they're all kind of related, but they're kind of individual packages. So work with me a little bit here. We're going to kind of bounce around a little bit and see what we can do. Human beings, I've heard the phrase, we are rampant learning machines. Um, animals tend to be behavioristic, kind of cause and effect. They, they can be uh, Pavlov dogs, ring a bell and what happens? Start to salivate and start to salivate. And they kind of just get stuck in that mode and they can't, they can't um, get out of that unless they have some sort of other conditioning to change their behavior, right? But even that conditioning isn't always by choice. It just kind of happens because they have that instinct. And what part of the brain are they missing? The neocortex, the new one, the kind of the, the bicycle helmet, the snowboard helmet that's on top of the golf club. Remember that? That's kind of the part they're missing because they just have the other two. Um, what makes humans different? Does anyone know? What makes you and me different than my dog Caesar? Besides thumbs. <laughs> Fair enough. This is why I'm self-aware. <laughs> I don't know about if animals can, but I feel like uh, humans regret things. Humans regret things. Okay, that's, that's dancing around the reason. That's close. Conscience. We have a conscience. <laughs> we have a conscience. Okay, that's also close in here. What makes it different? Our ability to reason. Our ability to reason. Be a little bit, what does that actually mean? Metacognition. Oh, you use the phrase, very nice. It's called metacognitions. What does that mean? Fancy schmancy word. Think about what you did, what you're doing. To 
think about what, what your behavior is Think about... Why you're doing it. Playing the tape out. <laughs> yes. Think about what you're thinking. That's the thing right there that makes us different than everything else on the planet. We can think about, I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking about this and this and this. Animals can't do that. It's instinctual. It's just kind of hardwired into them. And so that right there is a tremendous, and one, <laughs> see, here we go. Everyone do this. Jeremy, Jeremy, we're going to give you a hard time here. <laughs> How do you feel right now? Yeah, see, it works. I'm telling you, it works. We're glad you're here, Jeremy. Um, this one piece, this ability to think about what we're thinking is why you can change and no longer be stuck where you, where you think you need to be. Isn't that great? Um, this is why failure, when we make mistakes, this is why failure for human beings should not be a problem. Why is that? Why is the ability to think about what we're thinking and failure? Anyone can make that connection yet? Say that one more time, We can think about where we thought wrong. Absolutely. We are not stuck in the, I failed, therefore that is a permanent situation. We get do-overs. We get do-overs over and over and over again. And that, that, that ability is to evaluate and change and adjust is what can give us, again, that tremendous freedom to start addressing and changing what we are thinking and feeling and all that other good stuff. Um, Anyone know Seth Godin? I'm an avid Seth Godin fan and business books and stuff like that. I'd like to um, read a little excerpt from a book called Lynchpin. Seth Godin was traveling and he conveys a story that he saw. He says, the woman in front of me isn't going to make her flight to Florida. Planes leave, planes don't leave. There's nothing she can do about this. She, but she's unable to accept the world as it is. So she has a meltdown. Instead of calmly looking at the situation, quickly switching to a different airline and moving on, which would have led her to arrive in Palm Beach 10 minutes late, she needs to deny the truth about her flight. Read that again. She needs to deny the truth about her flight and the motivation of the person who canceled it. Then she needs someone to blame. Her emotional connection to the outcome blinds her to the choices that are available to her. Again, when she thinks that her response, her, her explosion, I mean, she's, anyone seen that in airports where someone loses a flight or is not happy with something and they kind of just, you know, throw a tizzy there and they're saying all sorts of horrible things to you? I've seen it one time. It's like, man, oh man, oh man, your world is much, much too small to be to be, have your entire day ruined by this one experience. In this moment, she had a choice. She could remain attached to the outcome she was in hate with, or she could accept the world as it is, regardless of how she wanted it to be. Forty years ago, Richard Branson, who founded Virgin Airlines, 
found himself in a similar situation in an airport in the Caribbean. They had just canceled his flight, the only flight that day. Instead of freaking out about how essential the flight was, how badly his day was ruined, how his entire career was now in jeopardy, the young Branson walked across the airport to the charter desk and inquired about the cost of chartering a flight out of Puerto Rico. That's where you rent the entire airplane. I'm going to charter a flight to get to Puerto Rico. Then he borrowed a portable blackboard and wrote, Seats to Virgin Islands, $39. He went back to the gate and sold enough seats to his fellow passengers to completely cover his costs and made it home on time. Taking Richard Branson's morals away, because he's kind of, you know, probably not the most moral person to, you know, model our life after. What does that stir in you when you hear that story? Someone who can think that far out of the box and get a free flight home and make it there on time. I think that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I agree. Does that stir anything inside you? It's a big risk. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Why is it a big risk? Because you're not guaranteed money back. It's a gamble. I can never spell guarantee. Is there another A? G U A R A N. G U A R A N T E E D. It's not guaranteed. Thank you. I can spell most words. What else? A lot depends on other people's, not on you. Can you spell super Depends on other people. Well, I thought, I mean, what incredible drive and passion to get all this. So, so if we're going to look at the positives. Um, drive, passion, creativity, creativity. inspiring, motivational, yeah, motivational. So the dark side, light side, we're out of control, but we actually have control over our choices, our reactions, our, our situation. Absolutely. What other excuses do you come up with that, that would keep you from doing what Richard did? What do you mean? Oh, three and three. That's ex I can count and spell. Okay, four. Not. What do you mean? Not worth it. I mean, I, I'm patient. I'm patient. Okay. I thought it's you're in the Caribbean. What's one more day? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair. Enough. You gotta get stuck somewhere. Caribbean's a place to do it. Yes. Right? 
Okay. So that's kind of depends on other people as well to pay up kind of thing. Okay, deposit. So um, we'll call this lack of resources to be able to go to another option. Yes. Okay, so hold on a second. Personality, don't want to bother people. What? Lack of self-confidence. People go to the airport with a plan already. So why would they change their plan? So then um, it's not in the plan, right? It's not what I'm expecting. Expectations. What else would keep you from doing what Sir Richard Branson did? Yeah. Fair enough. Ignorance. Okay, that's a good one. Can I just say a generic fear? Generic fear. Generic fear. I wouldn't even be able to get specific about what it Okay. Yeah. Babies are born with three, three fears. Startle response, loud noises, and going to charter desks. <laughs> yes? Um, distracted, or we can call it overwhelmed. Does that sound fair? By emotions. You guys are actually helping me think through. I, I did a lot of research trying to see if anyone else had a list of fears that keep people from making creative decisions. I couldn't find one. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but coming up with a better list right here. So these are excellent. Okay. Overwhelmed by emotions. What else would keep you from doing what Yeah. Yeah. That's the question right there. It's a risk for sure, but I think they have so much knowledge and information that it might not be as big to them as it is to us. But it's still a risk. What else would keep you from doing what he did? Yes. So what can we call that? Blaming 
blaming someone or inaccurate assessment of the problem. There we go. Inaccurate assessment of problem. What else? Yeah. Hey. Get in trouble. That's not the right way to be stranded. There's a right way to be stranded, and there's a wrong way to be stranded. And that might be the wrong way. <laughs> Excellent. Um, disapproval. Very nice. Anything else? Yep. Go for it, Winnie. Freezing up. Yeah, so when we get overwhelmed, the circuit breaker clicks off, and the, which part of the brain? What does fight or flight or freeze? Reptilian brain kicks in, that kind of survival mode, and so we end up just freezing. We're gonna have to go up here, 16. Um, fight, flight, or freeze. Freeze is typically the um, most common reaction people have to um, overwhelming situations, just statistically. Yep. I just don't think that big. Don't think that big. What do you mean by that? Um, I would just be more self-focused. Ah, self-focused. Very good. There was someone else. Uh, maybe perfectionism, maybe. Like if you were trying to figure out the best price to charge, and you just end up not doing anything, you know, rather than to act on So before I can write a price on the blackboard, I need to take a survey and get a market study done to find out what is the best price people are actually going to say yes to as we're stranded trying to get home. What's that? There's another name for that where you need more information, need more information, and you don't get anything done? Analysis paralysis, there it is, very good. Yep, perfectionism, we'll even add that there too. Analysis paralysis. Yes? I know for me, um, I don't know if we go under the lack of self-confidence, but um, like feeling like I'm not smart enough to even come up with an idea like that, so I don't even try. Yeah, not smart. Enough. Wonderful. I, yep. I, well, I don't know. I don't want to tag on without your permission, but just even with that, just the overgeneralization of like, I can never convince anybody of anything, so I'm not going to be so this I'm not smart enough, or I can never convince anybody. I've never been able to do what I've on determination. I mean, there's a few times in my life where. Nothing was getting in my way. Like one example is when I wanted to buy a home, 
I got it done. Nothing was going to get in my way of that, and I became real smart all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Determination. <laughs> yeah. Determination is key. Um, all of a sudden, you have no fear of anything, and you got all the confidence in the world, and nothing will get in your way if you determine. Lack of determination. Stick-to-itiveness. I know I want it to be. Is conformity even a word? Conformity is a word. What do you mean by conformity? I mean, um, you know, that just, that isn't taught as one of the options to do in that. Right. You know what I'm saying? If, if, if you're in an airport and you just, they tell you you missed your flight, and you go and just run another plane, that's not really conforming to that whole system. Yeah. That's the, I'm not doing it right, Being wherever that one is. Outside of the box. <laughs> yeah. Surprises haven't come up yet, but lack of faith. Lack of faith. What do you mean? Faith that things will work out. Faith that there's a higher power than Got it. That's a very good one. Anything, this is, I only came up with six. <laughs> so... You guys are way ahead of me on this. That I absolutely knew. Anything else? Yes. So we were just joking around, but I was like, oh, my fiance won't love me. But that's kind of true. Like, sometimes you have other people who don't think you're like, kind of shoot down your ideas. <laughs> other people's. Opinions slash haters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Haters. Sure. Yes. What about just defeat circumstances? Like the default, like it didn't work out, so I run to this place of just undefeated. Defeated. Man. Yeah, gosh, this is the smart corner back here. Don't want to stand out. That's the conformity piece. We'll stick with 23 here. Conformity. Have we exhausted it all? Any reason why you, it isn't on there? Yes. <laughs> I'd rather take a boat. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do we define that? Um, fear of something different. We're looking for broad kinds of things we can learn here. Good. That's nice. It's not how I... Yes, sir. Indecision? I have the idea of going and chartering a plane. I don't... Should I do it? Yeah, no, I should... Yeah, yeah I think I'm going to... Man, maybe not. Maybe I should... Yeah. Indecision, that's good. Is that up there yet? I've written a lot. Indecision... 
All right. Holy smokes. 28. 28 reasons for us to not change, grow, be different, stay the same. How many of these... I'm going to step back. Look through that and pick, pick the one or two which you probably hear the most that probably doesn't apply to flying or being stranded in the Caribbean or the Caribbean, um, but gets in the way of daily kind of stuff. Which one for you? Just kind of hold on to it for a second. Kind of just be aware of that. Which one of those are the thing you hear the most? I'm doing that work for myself too. Huh. I, I can tell you my two, and I think that would be fair to start with. Again, you guys already know, never inconvenience people. Never. That's the theme in my life that I've always, I'm always constantly trying to get over. So I don't want to bother people by actually helping them get to their destination. I might be bothering them. <laughs> I won't tell you what the second one is, but anyone here willing to say what their number one thing might be? Again, you don't have to. This is purely fear. Fear. Yeah. Fear is a broad thing. Is there? Do you know what the specific might be? Well, I just thought that encapsulated everything. Awesome. Yeah. Fear. Okay, that does capture it. Yeah. Lack of self-confidence. Self yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah. Ignorance, okay? Analysis paralysis. It's always easier to study than actually do. Lack of resources, sure. Five. Rather not bother someone? Yeah. My way of thinking is like, what comes to my mind is as long as my faith is good, I have no fear and so that conquers it all <laughs> as long as I got you know my eyes focused on God yeah um, I, I feel like I can conquer the world <laughs> and sometimes when your eyes aren't focused there it gets a little shakier I don't have confidence whatsoever yeah I'm yeah. glad you have a place my low self-esteem and yeah. that kicks in and I can't yeah. do that and all of a sudden <laughs> okay we're going to come back to some of that in just a second yeah not guaranteed and disappointment. Yeah. Guarantees are nice, aren't they? Man. It's not even worth it. I, I can just endure. Yeah. Again, I might be making a stereotypical thing here. I might be wrong. 
that happened once back in 76. But I think men are good at just, I'll just endure. I'll just tolerate. I don't, I, I'm, I can tough it out. And we endure stuff that we sh just never should have to endure. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, again, stereotypical. Some women, I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Sex, anything. You can't say most women wear this. Yeah, some women wear that. And I'll wear guy things. Fair enough. Girls don't bunch underneath five pounds. And I weigh down to 25. And I bunch underneath five. And I squat 175. So we have some disagreement. So we have some disagreement. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. I withdraw my statement. <laughs> I have another hand. Yeah. On the not worth it one, yeah. what I find myself doing is like I'll want to do something and then I'll kind of run through it in my mind and it's almost like I've done it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, like a little Sure, sure. <laughs> Who had, who had, who has number six here? I know I do. Anyone else number number six? Number six? Six. Nope. Don't look. Um, don't want to bother people. Kind of not your personality. You don't want to step out and do that. What would be a way of challenging this, this argument? This is a little argument we have in our head. Situation happens, stranded at the gate. All of a sudden, this conversation kicks in by default. Don't bother anybody. Just tolerate it. Just endure. Don't be noticed. Don't bother people. How in the world? He's got a good thing going on there because he, he's got something to offer people. He's got something to offer them. Yeah. If there was a guarantee, right? Again, you and I have that perspective because we know the end of the story. Sure. If we didn't know the end of the story, that's a sketchy kind of thing to do. We like, I'm going to throw that pin at somebody. I'm going to nail you next time, okay? Just don't, quit moving. Okay? Yes. Yes. Good. You just push yourself to do that. How? Or... Where do you find the gumption? Um, well, oh. pray about it first, okay? And then, um, and then I remember that often if you smile at people, you kind of present yourself in a certain way. I, mean, I guess what I'm saying is you can ask. Smile at people, ask people. So I picked this up from a different class you taught. Okay. You get vulnerable. Say, what does that mean? I don't want to bother you, but I believe I have an amazing proposition. Have I got a deal for you? Yeah. Yes. But you get vulnerable. Excellent. Okay, I like that. Especially like your source. Yes. When I was in sales, um, that was one of the things I had to overcome. Okay. I just, it's like acting. I pretended like I was somebody I wasn't. So completely dissociate and take on a whole other personality. Absolutely. Excellent. That's a good strategy. <laughs> Judy. Okay, I would say you kind of have to accept the dichotomy that, you know, some people will be bothered. You know, Yo. Like, like, actually, to say. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You, what did you say? <laughs> say that again? Yeah. 
accept the dichotomy that some people will be bothered. Some people are going to be bothered. But they won't all be bothered. Some people may really be helped and may actually really appreciate you. That's problematic because I want everybody to like me. And I want to guarantee, wherever the guarantee, that everyone will like me. So I have to be okay with the idea that some people might actually be bothered, but a lot of other people might be appreciative. How about that? What an idea. How many of you like that idea, by the way? <laughs> How many of you actually find some sort of peace in that, genuinely? Is that, is that comforting at all, knowing I don't have to make everybody happy, but if I can make some people happy, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, that's just great. Yes. Being a bother is what? Is so crushing. Go back to the cognitive distortions last week. Last week? I think they're last week. They're all blurring together. Being a bother is so crushing. What cognitive distortion might that fall under? Magnification. Magnification. Very, very nice. What else could it fall under? Shooting on, Shooting on yourself. What else could it fall under? This is great. Generalization, Generalization yep. All or nothing thinking. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, it's just. Um, yes. Yeah. But I think there was something inner in him that knew this would succeed. He, yeah. You know, and, and that's that thing of, of even though it was a risk and even though it took all you know, all these variables and all of that, there was something in him that knew this would work. Yeah, yeah. This might ruin the story a little bit. Um, and if you've read anything about Richard Branson, like I have, um, he loved failure. But he was trained, again, he, he learned much, much earlier than us normally that try and figure it out and build that resilience, that internal resilience. Um, the story I've heard is that when he was four years old, his parents dropped him off a mile from the house and said, figure out your way home. I think you get arrested if you do that nowadays. Okay, but he, he was given those chances. His family built into him, try, 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 figure out, learn, adapt, adjust, experiment. Remember that? That was a couple weeks ago. Experimentation, yeah. see what happens. Come up with all these crazy ideas. Maybe not even on the same level as this, but um, another kind of influential guy, um, John Maxwell, he's a kind of a, uh, a leadership guy. Um, he got his plane delayed at some airport somewhere, and it was, instead of being canceled, it was just going to be delayed, and everyone's starting to grumble, and everyone's starting to just have a problem. So him and his, the person he was traveling with went down to the, just the nearest fast food place and got about 80 soft drinks, put them, on a, put them on a rolly cart, and wheeled them back down to the gate. And he said, guys, we're all here together. We're all stuck here together. This one's on me. Grab a soda. 
He didn't fix the flight. They were still late, but what did he fix? The attitude, the perspective, the experience. Yeah. Okay, like, uh, I absolutely agree. Again, for those who couldn't hear, kind of this idea, if you're a believer, that am I supposed to do this because it's God's will? Am I going to be somehow displeasing God by doing this? Or is it not God's perfect will? I call it the circle and the dot theory. You've got one, one dot. That is what God wants. And you have lots of other dots here, lots of other dots, all this other thing. Or does God work and say, there's lots of things you can choose and they're all within my acceptable will kind of thing. It's a whole God's will conversation that I am not going to come anywhere near coming to touch because it's just, people have been arguing over that for years. But that is absolutely a, a, a hindrance in saying, I don't think God wants me to go charter a plane. And that for someone can absolutely be a genuine <coughs> hindrance. Yeah. Sometimes a coin flip as well. Would you guys like to learn how to overcome these? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be fun? Ben, you got a phone. I need you to take a picture of that because I don't want to lose those. And my phone is recording right now, so I can't do both. So snap a picture and then email it to me, will you? Um, some of the reasons I came up with are already on here. I'll be different than everyone else. That's not the way you're supposed to do it. Okay? So just don't do it at all. There's only one right way. Right? There's only one right way to be stranded. Um, one small part of this didn't work, so none of it will work. What if the chalk breaks? Or what if one person says no, then this whole thing's going to fall apart? Um, I have to figure this out and I have to be guaranteed that it's going to work or else it's going to be a disaster. Um, it's going to cost me more. That's the resources one. It's going to cost me more time, energy, money, reputation than I have, than I can afford. Yep, some of those things. I need another volunteer. I'm deciding if I want to accept a volunteer, if I'm going to choose a volunteer, which technically means she's, they're not volunteering. You're being recruited. I'm going to pick someone, so thank you for volunteering. Um, I don't know your name. Donnie. 
Donnie. Would you be willing to help me out, Donnie? Sure. Donnie, thank you very much. Um, for this, ladies and gentlemen, we're actually going to have to turn back this way. You can just look this way if you want, or you can turn your chairs. You can do whatever you like. All right. What I need you to do is simply tie these two strings together, okay? You cannot use chairs. You can't use any podiums. You can't use anything else like that. If you like, I have brought some tools, okay? You can use a pair of pliers, pliers that I brought, okay? You can't rip them off. They have to stay connected at the top. You have to tie these two strings together. Here's the pair of pliers, should you choose to use them. Nope, you can't use me. You, this, I am confident, Donnie, you're going to be able to do this on your own. And if anyone, and if anyone knows or has seen this done, keep your big mouth shut. Oh, he rips it. He breaks my example. Hey, come here, come here, come here, Donnie, cheater. Give me that back. We're going to fix this back up here. Rip the tack right out of the wall. All right. Okay. He has to do this on his own. This is not a teamwork thing. He can't ask for help. Ladies and gentlemen, he is opting to use the pliers. He's now learning how to tie a knot, it looks like. We're glad he didn't do the shoe tying thing. That could have been disastrous. Did you? The whole bowling on a bite thing didn't work out, or the half Nelson, or whatever they call them. Okay. He's tied the pliers onto the string. What kind of goofy idea is that? Hey, look at that. Now we just got to watch them tie them together. <laughs> yeah, you do. What do you guys think of his idea? How many of you came up with that idea before he did? One, two, three. How many of you go, dang, I wish I would have thought of that idea? Why do you think, why do you, think um, you might get hung up coming up with this solution that Donnie's trying to execute right now? That is not what you use pliers for. Use pliers, rip things out of walls, and pull teeth out and stuff like that, right? You don't use it as a counterweight as a, to make the rope heavier, right? <laughs> that is a fantastic example of out-of-the-box thinking. Here's a tool, but I'm not using it at all like it's supposed to be used, right? This is actually an old school um, psychology experiment that they do with lots and lots and lots of people and they rate how many people can figure it out, how many people can't. And um, sometimes lots of people 
they just never come up with a solution because pliers are only supposed to be used to grab things. <laughs> Donnie, you proved the point. I think okay. we got it close enough. Thank you very much. We'll put you out of your misery. Again, the ability, the ability to see something and say, this is how it's been used forever, over and over and over again, but I'm willing to challenge it, I'm willing to see it differently, I'm willing to do it differently, is the skill set that is going to be necessary to start overcoming some of these things. That's where it begins with. You get to start thinking creatively, independently, but that comes with, hands down, this word right here. It's your favorite word. There are going to be risks. And there's no easy way to just make that not happen. How many of you... Um, Back to failure for a minute. Again, can't do this because it might not work out. It might fail and it might look bad. All that stuff you know, has to do with risk and failure and perception and self-esteem and all that stuff. Um, how many of you have ever heard the definition of sin, kind of a general definition of sin? What's well, kind of the real common one? Missing the mark. Missing the mark. Again, Biblically, hermeneutically, there's many, many, many definitions for sin, but the common one is kind of the broad, the broad overarching idea is missing the mark. Uh, Romans 3.23 uses that same word of missing the mark. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the God. It's kind of the idea of an archer who's, who's trying to hit, hit the target and doesn't really ever hit the bullseye. He's, he's close, but not quite. We're not ever really hitting the mark. Many people today, lots of us, when we hear the word, you've sinned, we don't hear it as, shoot, I have missed the mark. We hear that as, you are a failure, you are bad, you are absolutely not a good person, and we internalize that, that condemnation in some way. And again, I debated whether to kind of bring this topic in here because there is some of that happening whenever sin kind of plays into our life because sin is a little bit more than just missing the mark. It's actually intentionally saying, there's the target. I'm going to turn a shoot over here because I think that's the way it should be done. Okay, it's kind of those things like that. Um, but when we hear the word sin and we ascribe it to our lives and we go, see, that proves I am a bad person, then what that does is it starts to get us hunkered down in the fight, flight, or freeze. Actually, it keeps, it, it encourages us to say, I've got to keep my sin a secret. I've got to keep it hidden. I can't let anybody see it. I've got to keep it internalized. I've got to keep it hidden away. And as soon as we do that, as soon as our sin, our mistakes, our missing the mark, as soon as we do that, how open are we to trying creative new things? We lose that. We lose the ability to think creatively and we move into self-protection mode. And when we get stuck in that self-protection mode, we are unable, we're unable to progress past our mistakes, progress past our sin. Yes? No, it's 
same. Your last name is Sinner? Honest to God, yes. That kind of reminds you of kind of kind of what you are, huh? Well, we well, I all are. Knew. Yep. Every time I introduce myself in my band at the gate, I go, hi, my name is Nikki and honest to God's earth. Huh. And I'm so proud of that. That's great. That's a neat way to kind of share your story a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, and then I tell my story of my accidents a yeah. little. Thanks. Thanks for telling us. Spiritual and Maturity involves growing up. Hebrews talks about a group of people who were not growing. They kept, they should have been teachers already, but instead they were still living on the basics, tenets of the faith, and they were never kind of progressing into that maturity. That maturity in our walk, in our growth, requires us to be seen. That maturity, that growth requires us to say, yes, I have sinned, Here's what I have learned from it. I, I just, I admit that I missed the mark. I didn't get it quite right. And here's what I'm going to do differently. Does that make sense? How many of you would enjoy, that's the wrong word. How many of you would enjoy sinning that way? That's not coming out right, is it? Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Does that provide any freedom for anybody? My hope is that we can still understand our depravity and our inability to be in relationship with God on our own, but that that sinful part of us, even though it's part of us, is a way to say we can continue to try over and over and over again. One of the uh, topics that we're going to be talking about in week seven of this entire series um, is going to be on confession. Confession in a self-esteem series. How odd is that? And yet, I think it becomes essential. We're going to be looking at 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. That's the first half. To what? To forgive us our sins, part two, and cleanse us. Part three. You ever consider that there's three parts to that? Most people get the first two. I sat with a client this week, and someone is blatantly wronging her. Just, it's, there's no debate about it. And she says, she says, I feel gross. I just, I feel this grossness. Whether when we sin, we get stained, we get contaminated by that sin, when other people sin against us, we get contaminated by that sin. And sometimes when we're even in proximity to other people's sinful behavior, it's like it just it gets on us. And how do we become cleansed from that? And I would suggest that many of your self-perspectives have some of those dynamics wrapped up in that. You are still carrying the pronunciations that people have put onto you. You're a loser. You're a loner. You're a piece of crap. You are actually much, much worse. I've heard much, much worse that people have called. And that taints us. That contaminates us. And I would like to wrestle with the idea of how do we 
become purified like scripture promises can happen. Okay? Um, we got that? Hey, I got an eraser. Excellent. Let's wrestle with one more little idea here as we, as we figure out how to overcome these things right here. I need to get one of these erasers. They're nice. All right. This is a volunteer night. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to pick on someone else again. Is it Matthew? Did I get it right? Matt? Would you mind helping me out, Matt? Okay. Come on up, Matt. Everyone say hi, Matt. Hi. All right. Matt, come stand up here for a second, right here. As you're standing here, as you're looking at this crowd, this fine crowd that they are, what do you, what's going on inside? Just, what's your experience right now? Um, and if tears are, come, that's oh, okay. Yeah. My hands are getting a little clammy. Hands clammy, okay. Um, I don't know, but that's like just for the first little part. And then after that, it just kind of, you know, it feels, it feels okay. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's a good spot. Okay, so it's good. Matt is having a good time. <laughs> Aren't you glad you got volunteered? All right, let's pick someone else. Who should we pick out there? Um, your name? Chris. Chris, just go ahead and look at Matt. Just look at Matt. He's standing up here. He's having a good time with clammy hands, okay? This is what he's going on right now. As Chris is looking at you, what do you think Chris is seeing? Or what is he experiencing out there? I don't know. Can I ask Chris? Um, sure. Feel free to ask him. What are, you, what are you feeling, Chris? He sounds like a counselor, doesn't it? Say guess a lot louder. I'm glad that I'm the one sitting here and sitting up there. He's glad he's sitting there, not up there. Okay? Does that give you enough information? Yeah. What's what's Chris feeling? Uh, maybe a bit self-conscious. Or, or worried that I'm self-conscious, maybe. Or putting himself in my situation to make myself Okay, you're doing great, Chris. Um, you're sitting here watching this happen, right? Excellent. What are you noticing happen between these two guys right now? There you go. See, it's not a tough question. Let's see. Okay, perspective number. 
three. They're looking at each other. What do you think they are feeling? Awkward, very nice. Okay, very nice, thank you very much. Um, let's come back a little bit further over here. And right now, what would Matt's role be? What would, what would he be, what role is he in? No, who, that would be me. I'm the teacher role. Center of attention role. What else? What else, other word? Example. Test subject. Test subject. <laughs> Guinea pig. Okay. One of those rats in a maze. Um, we'll call perspective number four. Um, we'll use a nice word, volunteer, because I volunteered you. Um, there's one other perspective here that's in this entire thing going on right now. If we were to pull the camera way back, do you think God is actually watching us and seeing what's going on right now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What do you think he's thinking about this whole three minutes that's going on between Chris and Matt and me? He's saying, what a bunch of goofballs. Yes, God is saying, what a bunch of goofballs. That is sounding like God. All right, perfect. You did well. Thank you very much. Appreciate you being here. These five perspectives are the different ways that you can see your world around you. A person who has the ability to shift perspectives from themselves, wow, here's what I'm doing, here's what's going on inside me, to, huh, I'm aware of what other people are perceiving in me, um, to, an obs to an objective, kind of watching, watching what's going on. How are we interacting between the two of us? Again, my wife and I in a disagreement, able to pull back into this one going, wow, we are really mad at each other. That's not a comment about me or her. It's kind of a, the situation. Being able to pull into the roles. So let's do roles. This is objective. This is other perspective. This is self-perspective. And this is a God eternal perspective. When you are able to shift into these, it truly helps you take a look at the situation you are in and provides a little bit of creativity and gets you out of that box, gets you out of that, that one perspective. Um, a person who tends to get stuck in number one, So if this is something you wrestle with, if you are an ego, egoist, ego, T-I-S-T, egotist, self-centered, and again, if you want to try a narcissist, um, people can get stuck in this place. And they just really cannot move out of it. People who get stuck in the second one, I'm always worried about what other people are thinking. What do you think they end up wrestling with? 
codependency. Uh, insecurity might travel between the two of these for sure. Um, they actually be can become highly um, susceptible to being over-influenced by other people's opinions. This is the external validation versus internal validation stuff. Um, I always need everyone else's approval, okay? I can't hold the sign up and get people to the Virgin Islands because I might not have other people's approval. If you get stuck in number three, if you're kind of in this objective, always on the outside, this is when you become highly detached. This is when you... Um, kind of become a loner in the world, um, you become isolated because you can't really make a connection with any other human beings. Um, sometimes you can't even have a decent relationship with yourself. You're just not even, you're not, that, it's that lack of self-awareness um, totally and completely. Number four, if you get stuck in the roles, um, that's when you can become kind of a rescuer or rescuer or get stuck in the victim kind of role. Why try? I'm always a victim. I'm always going to get hurt anyway. So that's just how I define myself. And someone who gets stuck in the fifth perspective has a tendency to over-spiritualize. On the way here, I couldn't believe it. We were driving up 16th and... Um, Actually, no, yeah, 16th. And um, our car, car in front of us, and my daughter and I watched a squirrel shoot out from the road in front of the car in front of us. Almost made it, but didn't. Got flattened. Someone who is stuck in this perspective can over-spiritualize that in, in some way and kind of get lost in that. Sad thing to see the scroll squished. These five perspectives give us a ton of freedom because we never really need to get overwhelmed in any one thing. Um, back to the example with uh, Richard Branson and the, the flight out of um, the Caribbean. He was able to move out of the spot that says, I'm stuck in this situation. What role did he, which, not role, but what perspective do you think he slipped into to be able to come up with a different alternative? Three? Who said three? Why three? Yeah. Absolutely. He's not emotionally connected to the outcome. Absolutely. Yes. He was applying to the need of others. So yeah, number two, he could have just chartered the plane and, you know, flown there on his own. I guess he, you know, if he had enough money to, to rent it, he, you know, could have been okay. But he came back and said, no, I'm going to think about some other people as well. Now, there might be still a little self-interest in that, saying I might actually get this whole trip paid for. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. 
What perspective do you think, and again, don't answer this out loud, but which one do you think you tend to get cemented into? Which one would be kind of the, the spot you get hung up on? Kind of just chew on that for a minute. And then the question I would ask is, how would your experiences be different in life if you could shift to, I don't know, let's say if you get stuck in number one all the time, if you can pull out to number three and have an objective perspective on your story right now and just say, huh, look what's happening to me. That's interesting. Now here's something to consider as well. I think a lot of people can do all the way up to number four. It's sometimes difficult to get to number five because the reality of our world is, is there is really crappy situations. There are painful situations. There are unpleasant situations. There are unfair situations. And even if we can shift our perspective and see, okay, this is, this is what it looks like from someone else's perspective, and so I'm trying to get my head wrapped around it and not be so emotionally attached to it. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what the roles people were playing in all this. When we can come out to the eternal perspective and say, I wonder what God sees in all of this. Does he still love me? And again, some of you might wrestle with that question. I don't know. Is he still in control? Does he still care? A lot of times, for those who have a faith, when we are able to come land on some of these, it is a way of changing our perspective up here that says, yes, it's still hard. It's still painful. But you know what? This reality is still true, and you can rest in that perspective for a while. That's how you get through it. That's just how you get on to the next day, and you're able to just breathe and keep functioning over and over and over again. The ability to shift between perspectives is the essential, the essential skill that is going to be important to have. All right, it is quarter to nine. Questions at all about any of this? Yes. The perspective of having an investigative attitude. Where do you think that would fall, someone? Probably under the number three, because that's when you are kind of being more objective. You're not, you're pulling your, yourself out and you're not an active participant saying, this is happening to me or this is happening to someone else. I'm examining the situation. Number four, uh, we have different roles in our lives. Um, I'm the teacher, you're the students right now. I'm the father, you're the son. Um, you're the employee, I'm the boss. And so we can, when we can look at situations and go, um, I'm in this situation and my role in this situation is to respond in this way and this way and this way, it gives us a different perspective on how to move through a certain situation. Because there's lots of times that if, if one human being would come up to me and ask me to do something and we were just strangers on the street, it's like, absolutely not. Are you kidding me? But if my boss asks me to do that, 
The answer is, yes, I'll do that because I need to keep my job. Does that make sense? Again, it's not an immoral thing or anything else like that, but <coughs> the different roles affect how we, how we um, uh, decisions we make and how we move through a situation. Any other questions? Any other questions? I'm going to intentionally leave us hanging a little bit for next week because we're going to kind of tie up all the pieces together. We're going to take all the things that we wrote on the board just before and we're going to put the perspectives into this and just see, again, it kills me, guys. It kills me because I wish I could just write that self-help book that says do these three things and all of these really deeply ingrained fears and insecurities that you have will magically go away. I don't have that book. I just, I don't. I do think that I can teach you how to tie a pair of pliers to some string and get through a situation differently than you have conceived of or perceived. I think I can help you sit in the room backwards and see it differently. Again, I kind of teasingly asked you to do this last time, but I'll ask you to do it again. Drive home a different way. See some roads you haven't seen. Look at your neighborhood in ways you haven't seen it. I grew up in the same house my entire life until I was actually just before I was married. I spent a little time at college, but I knew that I could drive that road with my eyes closed, but if I were to walk half a block around the corner, it's like, this is a whole new world. I just never got around the block that much. I mean, I did on my bicycle, but it's just it looked different because it wasn't my normal thing. Seeing things differently is a big key. Hold on one second. Yep. Right. Like, I mean, are there those people that exist that just, just or are they faking it? Because I know some people who seem really confident until you like start to get to know them more. What's your name? Samantha. Samantha. Let's have a little talk real quick, Samantha. <laughs> um, I. I do believe absolutely that we will continue to wrestle with these things and I don't think there's a magic cure-all. My question would be, how often do we use that excuse right there to say, because I can't cure it 100%, I'm not gonna try. I don't feel like it's something that you, I feel like it's like an ongoing process and that it's not quite pessimism that I'm coming from, but as far as like, it's okay. Like, I'm going to have stuff that I'm going to work on for the rest of my life. I'm never yes. going to be perfect. And sometimes when I see people who come off like, oh, I'm super, super confident, you kind of, yeah, like, question, do those people really Always even really it. exist? Right. Um, I'm glad you don't wrestle with that personally. But I, 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 I think... I, no, I, I do, but I just accept that that's, you know, like... Yeah. I would guess that there are others in the room that because they can't do it as good as they'd like to, they can't get as as good on that at the very beginning. It's Mm -hmm. like, I can't even start the journey. And two words, I can give you two words out of this entire series again. I think I already written them up here before. Good enough, it doesn't have to be perfect try. As you improve, 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 you'll get, you'll get much, much further than if you don't try at all. You've got to be okay with good enough. 
Who wants to go first? Ladies first. So, Emma and I take the lift to and from the same places once a time. Okay. So we can't change direction. Fair enough. Yeah. Then turn around and look backwards or something. <laughs> I was actually curious to, to find out if anyone did drive a different direction. That's a good question. Let's ask that next week, okay? That's your homework. We'll give everyone that homework. We'll leave you hanging. Someone go a different way just so he doesn't feel bad next week, okay? Put him out of his misery. Take care of him. Let's be done, shall we? And then we'll have a couple more exercises that we're going to do next week to kind of actually give you some experiences to try solidifying this and seeing if we can change some of it. Sound all right? Who knows how the room's going to be set up next week. We might be facing in a circle or something. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit paulelmore.com.